You're listening to Fowler Success Safe at Home. In this podcast series, we are interviewing SDSU alumni to get their perspectives on COVID-19, working from home, and what they think SDSU students need to know in order to navigate the workplace in the new normal. In today's episode, we're talking to Chris Pendleton, a partner group program manager for Azure Maps at Microsoft, who graduated with his MBA from SDSU in 2006. I'm representing my comic fandom, yeah. known for uh, my contributions at SDSU, you know, I figured that was Absolutely. appropriate. So I think that, you know, it adds personality to it, and I think it's good to know that, you know, it doesn't being in business doesn't have to be so stuffy all the time. Uh, especially when you're working from home. <laughs> That's right. All right. So I guess I'll get into, get, get into it right now. So, you know, you're currently working from home. Uh, when did that start? How was the transition for you and your team? And uh, I guess what were some of the more difficult aspects of this personally and professionally? Yeah, so it started, I guess it was March, early March is when uh, we sort of got indicators that there was a change coming and, um, you know, the, there was uh, some kind of flu-like outbreak happening and um, we got notice from Microsoft that uh, um, it was optional to come in um, immediately and then it took about a week before they just mandated work from home. Everybody work from home. Um, and, uh, it was, it is actually one of those things where working from home was okay. Right. At Microsoft, we have a, a work from home policy. There's a lot of remote employees as well. Um, so it wasn't something totally out of the norm for us. Um, but certainly uh, a pleasure for someone like me who manages a team and works collaboratively across the company, um, and even presents to executives who travel from around the world to Redmond just to get presentations throughout the day. We have those executive, what we call executive briefing conferences. Um, and I would go, you know, throughout the day on any given day and present to an executive uh, for, from any company around the world that flew here just to hear, you know, about the different Azure products or sorry, the Microsoft products and Azure Maps would be one of them. And so I go in for an hour and give the speech. Like even those got cut off uh, pretty much immediately. And so, um, it's impacted me in, in a way that I didn't think it would. I thought working from home would be the, the coolest thing. Um, it's not. It's terrible. Uh, when you blend your work life and your personal life, um, it's, it's not the greatest thing. It's actually hard psychologically to change and transform to a working from home mentality. Um, I had a lot of engagements with uh, people at work. Um, so uh, I would say a couple, a couple stark things. One was the fact that I was staring at a screen for you know eight to ten hours a day, um, and that was new. I didn't realize that I didn't do that all day. I would get into meetings with people face to face. We'd do whiteboarding meetings. We, you know, I would do a lot of work and you know uh, write code or uh, write Word docs for specifications or whatever it was. But there was a lot of breaks in between a lot of in-person meetings. Um, and then all of a sudden, like my eyes are tired. I've got headaches because I'm staring at a screen. And actually I just, I just got blue light blocking glasses. So uh, they're not prescription, but it blocks sort of the, uh, the light that comes off of the monitors to help my eyes rest. Um, and so um, 
the, the other biggest impact for me was my kids. Uh, they got pulled out of school about, I think it was two weeks after we shut down uh, going into the office at Microsoft. And um, them being home, uh, I immediately like put together uh, their own schedule. I ordered a ton of books off of Amazon. Uh, did tech, I ordered textbooks um, for the age appropriateness. I got a 15 year old and a 12 year old, uh, both girls. And I put together a schedule. And I actually have Alexa announcing the time changes throughout the day. So I automated my routines for them to know, okay, you're done with math, move on to art. You're done with art, move on to PE. You're done with PE. And um, I built a schedule for them. And that was just my way of handling the change. Um, but that wasn't sufficient. They're not self-sufficient. Um, they weren't used to you know, being self-driven to learn. Uh, they had structure. and. Um, now I'm six feet away from them in the house and they can come and ask me, they can come and interrupt my calls. And so the mix of home and work has been the biggest challenge by far. Um, and the other thing is when I'm with my kids, historically, you know, prior to working from home, I would be with my kids. I would disconnect from the office. I wouldn't be on my mobile device. You know, uh, I would be engaged with them, working with them, playing with them, whatever it was. And I couldn't do that. And it was such a, a guilty feeling to be in here on calls working while they're out there, you know, just kind of like bored and trying to figure out how to learn on their own. Um, these are significant changes that were just emotionally, psychologically, like even physically hard because now I'm sitting in an office all day at home, staring at a screen, um, and trying to figure out how to let them know that they're doing great and you know they're stuck on a math problem, but nobody's going to help them. Um, stuff like that was it was really heartbreaking. Yeah, it's really interesting because uh, all my colleagues that have kids have had similar kind of perspective on this, and in the education space, that kind of there is kind of a little bit of magic as far as reading how people are receiving what you're saying and in presentations that kind of right. make you more easily adapt to make the lesson more engaging. And I feel like in the education space, that's something that we're kind of missing in this moment as well. Uh, and it's interesting because you did talk about, you know, you're so a little bit the work that you're doing at Azure, uh, which is, you know, part of Microsoft, obviously, but with, you know, the, you know, the space that they're in with enterprise software and, you know, enabling remote work, has the geospatial aspect of that become kind of more important during this moment and the things that you're working on? It, it has. Um, and, you know, more, first of all, the cloud computing piece of all of this has been super critical. Uh, the cloud components of uh, what Microsoft has invested in, everybody turned to Teams and, you know, for enterprise communications, right? Um, and that, that just turned people on to more, oh, what else does Azure offer? What else can we use remotely? And mapping is a core function of, you know, one, tracking COVID. Right. Yeah. Every representation you see is a map. Um, how do you watch the distribution of it? How do you watch the spread? How do you watch the gains and losses, you know, deaths? Uh, all of that stuff is a geospatial representation. 
And so um, Azure Maps has seen significant uptake as a result of all of this. I mean, we've, I've been doing maps for 20 years, 17 and a half at Microsoft. And, you know, these are dashboards that, you know, for us, it was easy. We've, been, we've built Azure Maps to be this developer platform uh, with rich visualization capabilities, lots of layering capabilities. Um, but it, it, it took this turn to Azure to really ignite these new layers of data that are more medical in nature. Um, you know, we've always had like weather overlays and hurricanes and you could do sales distribution and retail and a lot of it was business analytics. And now we're looking at like medical analytics that intermix with um, personal data of where you have been. Um, I was just on a, a, a thread on Facebook actually with a friend who had posted that in the iOS, they're now tracking for COVID, right? Um, and if you look in your settings, you'll find, you know, COVID tracking. And um, she was paranoid that that had something to do with, oh my gosh, they're tracking me. You know, what do we do? Like, how do I turn this off? And I had to let her know, like, look, this is not for tracking you. I have plenty of ways I can track you, right? Not to mention the fact that you publish where you are all the time. Yeah. Um, but it's a means for us to backtrack and look at people who have crossed paths so that knowing that this person anonymously was infected, you're in danger of potentially being infected too. And you may not have the symptoms, but you may be uh, giving them to, you may be distributing this uh, disease uh, further. And so, um, you know, th that's one of the unique aspects of this thing is you, you may be sick and not, know it because you don't have any you're asymptomatic um and so it's a tough part so using technology and mapping specifically uh to actually reverse engineer where the disease has been and let people know you know, you're at a higher risk rate because you were in this area at the same time of someone we know was infected that's so interesting because like i know there's a role in you know public health and government work the contact tracers who are hired to do this and this is sort of you know automating the shortage that we have in people that are you know trained to do that position which could you know be real-time positive impact on stopping the spread and this kind of like leads really well into the next question which is you know you know currently you're at azure maps and you've worked in bang and other you know places within Microsoft and, you know, then for Microsoft, how have you kept current and, you know, seen kind of what the potential opportunities and professionally are for your skill set? And how do you, you know, keep on trend and see what sorts of professional opportunities are on the horizon for the, the type of work that you do? Yeah. Um, so, uh, the first thing I do is, uh, one, I, I read LinkedIn every day. So that's a fact. Um, I do have news alerts that come into my inbox. So I'm fed information that are relevant to me as well. Um, but uh, one of the stranger things that I do is every couple of years, I go interview with other companies. Um, and it's often a very sobering experience uh, because the questions that are being asked are the skill sets that they're looking for. And when you're working and you're, uh, you know, for myself at Microsoft, I get caught up in the day to day and um, 
I often forget uh, that there are other skills being developed, other technologies that uh, are being developed. And I want to know what the, the key players are looking for. So, um, you know, being a Microsoft employee for as long as I have, it's not a challenge to get an interview uh, with some of the bigger players out there. Um, but the insight that I gain personally uh, to go learn, um, you know, data quality metrics or, or, you know, how to do instrumentation better, how to do more of the data science aspects. Like that's the big trend right now is can you take any product and do data science around it so that you can improve the product at scale with, you know, inf implied user feedback. Um, and that's a skill that, you know, it's kind of built into what I do today, but could I do it for a new product? Could I do it for something I'm not familiar with? And so that's where I keep up on like, okay, that's actually a weak spot. It's a blind spot for me. I need to go fix that. And so Microsoft has tons of internal training. We actually own LinkedIn, so we get LinkedIn learning. Um, so everything on LinkedIn learning is available to us. We also have our own training uh, courses internal to Microsoft. They're all online. Um, we do have in-person ones. Obviously, those are affected right now. Nobody's going in. Um, but that's how I keep up. You know, I, I, I keep up with the news. I keep up with the relevant information that's flowing to my inbox. And um, I honestly do interview every couple years at some other company. Sometimes it's because I'm at it, you know, a manager or some coworkers, and it's just like, you know what, I'm going to show you. Um, but at the same time, um, doing that is is both humbling and rewarding because I can then go uh, fix those blind spots that I have. Yeah, that's really interesting insight. Because like one thing that I've kind of recommended in some cases is you know looking for trends and job postings and kind of the more sorts of things that you see commonly across like a similar role mean that okay these are skills that i should look into acquiring right using something like linkedin learning or some things that the library offers like safari tech books to you know kind of get yourself immersed in what those emerging skill sets are because you kind of don't learn everything in the classroom. Like the classroom gives you the theory and the fundamentals, but the you kind of need to continue to update as you know technologies change and things like That's that. That's right. Uh, the other, I guess, that also leads into, you know, we'll get into some like the aspects of the business education. So when you were at SDSU, uh, you ended up getting your MBA here as well, but you studied something different in undergrad. What aspects of that, you know, MBA education were beneficial to your experience in the working world? So I, I tell people this all the time, the, the work experience projects are the most closely related to reality. Um, the textbooks are great. They sort of lay a foundation um, and, and you said the same, but those projects where you can get uh, a professor to work with you and review like a project plan and I'm gonna go deliver the, like that's how the world actually works. And so when you wanna apply reality to education, it's those project-based classes that do the most help. And so I remember um, being in, in graduate school and even undergrad, um, when I was there, I, I, I mean, and I still personality wise, I'm an introvert, right? I'm a social introvert is what they say. And um, I hated the group projects. Oh man, group projects, here we go. Like 
I'm going to have to pull the weight of everybody else, right? Like six people. There's always one that doesn't do anything, right? Three that kind of contribute, one person leads. And then there's somebody who does all of the data work and won't say anything. And, and um, I hated those projects, but that's life. That is actually how the business world works. And you have to work with people you don't like. You have to work with people who you don't get along with. And you have to find that middle ground of working together. And Microsoft has this great culture where we reinvented ourselves. Um, and you know we've gone from know-it-alls to learn-it-alls. And Microsoft has done a lot of work to kind of start weaning out the folks that can't get into that culture. Um, when I, I remember when I joined Microsoft, which was in 2002, it was a cold culture. I mean, it was cutthroat. It was, you know, you're the best coder or you're the worst coder. So which one are you, right? Um, and it, it was pretty harsh. Uh, and uh, that's, that's changed quite a bit with our CEO, Sachin Nadella. Um, he has just transformed this company to be more empathetic. Um, and it is a learn it all culture. We walk into meetings and, you know, we have information, we have knowledge, but let's learn something. Like, what are we going to learn today? Uh, and it's such a different mentality. Um, but those, those, uh, the, the biggest takeaway for me, um, for anyone who's in that program, take the projects, get professors to sign off on projects. Like even in my, uh, I don't know if you know this. So in my last semester, I actually in my last year, I had moved to Redmond, I'd moved to Seattle and I was shy 13 units for, for my MBA. And, um, I, I took a hiatus because big job at Microsoft, like that's sort of part of the reason you get a master's is so you can get that job, but it was a personal goal to finish. Yeah. And uh, 13 units, um, I took a hiatus. And then about a year later, uh, I, I reached out to my counselor and I said, hey, um, is there anything I could do? Like I live in Seattle now, like what can I do? And she's like, well, Seattle University is a sister school. So why don't you take your 13 units, we'll transfer them back and you graduate. I was like, wow, that's killer. So I took a year at Seattle U. And when I finished, um, because Seattle U was on quarters and SDSU was on semesters, uh, I was actually short two units. And they said, hey, you know what we'll do? Um, why don't you do a project with a professor? And so uh, one of my professors at the time, um, I got connected. I said, hey, I want to do this super interesting thing at work. I'll report it back to you. Like, here's my plan. He totally signed off, was on board with it. Um, and I did a project over the summer and that's how I actually got my, my final two credits to graduate. Um, and so, you know, there's one, the rules are not hard and fast. There's a lot of space for negotiation. Learned that in my negotiation skills class. Um, uh, two, you know, be creative, right? Like, how about if I do, do, you know, work up here, transfer units back, you know, can I talk to a professor? Can I, you know, work collaboratively with other, other teachers and professors um, and, and make it work. And so even just figuring out how to finish school, I had to tap into some of the skills that I'd learned uh, at SDSU. And, you know, what I really loved about SDSU, to be honest, it was, it's like real life. Okay. I live in Seattle now. Weather's not great. Yeah. Uh, very, very corporate culture up here with technology, but there's a mix of rural and everything. Um, SDSU has so many distractions, whether it's the beautiful weather or the party environment or the beautiful pe people. 
whatever, the beach is not too far away, the delicious food, like all of these things are hugely distractive um, when you're trying to focus on school and get through it. And it actually worked in my favor because even with all those distractions, double down on studies, like, and that's what real life is like. You have so many distractions in life, but if you can keep that core focus going, that will help you get through it all. And so for me, like having that life, like I had a fun time at SDSU too, right? I finished and um, all of that, but I had so much fun. Um, and that's, that's an important thing, right? Like that's the real balance of life. And as you grow into career, um, bringing that experience of balancing, you know, the fun with the work, you know, um, these are life lessons that can be taken away from an education in SDSU. Fowler Success Safe at Home is brought to you by the San Diego State University Library and the Fowler College of Business with the support of the University Grants Program. If you are interested in seeing the video recordings of these conversations, as well as additional library resources for career research, please go to the library's website, which is library.sdsu.edu, and look for the Career and Job Resources Guide under the research guide section of the website. That's great to hear. And that, that really did touch on the next question too, as far as, you know, experiential learning. And, you know, we have these opportunities, right? In both undergraduate and graduate business education with the consulting courses and the internships and service learning. In the academic world, we call these high impact practice classes. Uh, that's uh, the the term coined by the AAC and you, which is kind of our think tank. And that's really, like you said, where it's hard to, especially in a practicum program, understand how this applies to real life when you've never done it. It's like taking a piano class without ever touching the piano. It doesn't really make That's right. Sense. Yeah. It's a good analogy. Yeah. So that, that's really great insight of, you know, how they're, you can even do that remote in cases, how you can be creative about making, folding these experiences into your education and work-life balance and all of that. Uh, yep. I guess this kind of gets into more the, the part that's more practical advice for you know, the current students. Uh, this is a strange time, right? There's a lot of uncertainty. Uh, the impacts across industries are still, you know, uncertain as to who's going to come out where. Uh, what advice would you give for students looking to navigate the job market in the midst of this crisis or in the near future? And how can they turn this challenge into an opportunity? The, the, it doesn't matter where you are in your career. The best thing you can do is network. The people you know, the people you have worked with, the people who know you are the ones who will be the most advantageous for career growth, for job opportunities, for referrals in business in general. Hey, I know this person who has an opening, right? Like you don't get those opportunities unless you have the network. Um, and so honestly, you know, obviously finish school, like get, get the degree done. Um, you know, some of the, uh, it's funny, I, I mentioned, I interview, um, I, some of the jobs still ask me for GPA. Like, I don't even remember what my GPA is. So I just kind of put in, uh, what, what, what I think it was. Um, but you know, 
it is an important factor if you have limited job experience, right? You, you, companies do want top talent, right? They're looking for that. They're looking for skill set, but um, and and then take take courses that are relevant. I think you had a great point, right? If you're looking for a specific job at a specific company, what are the requirements, right? You could easily just look at the requirements and go take courses online to at least bolster so you can have an intelligent conversation about it. Um, but the number one thing in business is networking. You, it's who you know, it's who knows you. Um, because when you build that network and you build that network of trust and responsibility, um, that will be the biggest benefit in, in any situation. Whether you're looking for a job, you're looking to do business with somebody, you're looking to partner, you want to, you know, be hired for a specific project. Um, I mean, it is all about who you know, and the toughest situations are cold intros, right? If you come in uh, the, the front door with all 10,000 other people, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough to stand out, especially when you all have the same education. You know, you all have the, done the same classes online. Uh, you all have similar experience. Like, how do you stand out? Um, so, uh, you know, in terms of network, like, how do you network? That's a good question because especially now in this online world, right? Uh, right now, there's two ways I would say. One, forgetting COVID for a second, right? Let's say we are doing conferences again. Go to conferences. Like, that is the best place to meet people. I speak at conferences all the time. Um, and if you want to meet me, come up. I, I get LinkedIn requests all the time from people that I don't know. They would love to meet me. I don't know. I don't even know if they're real. So, you know, the guidances don't accept people you don't know. Um, but at the same time, if you meet me at a conference and we have a five minute conversation, I'll add you. No problem. Like, I just want to know that you're a real person. Yeah. Um, and then second, for this online world, it's about the social media aspects or, you know, whether that's having a conversation on Twitter, having a conversation on LinkedIn uh, through a common post or a public post, looking at the groups on LinkedIn um, and getting to know people and, and don't be shy about it. I was super introverted. I meant I hated talking to people and introducing myself. Like that was a hard thing for me, um, but it's something that you have to overcome. It's something that you have to realize that, um, it takes bravery to, to stand out and, and get, want to get to know people and open yourself up and let them see who you really are. Uh, I, I look for traits beyond technical aptitude, right? Culture is a huge part of, uh, of hiring these days, especially at Microsoft. And if you don't have the right temperament, if you don't have the right culture fit, if, you know, if I don't know you or if I don't know somebody who knows you that I can rely on that reference, uh, it's tough, right? It's it's tough to just kind of like, it's going to take me time to figure out, are we cool? Like, do we jive here or not? And so, um, but that's, that's the key thing is get yourself out there, get to know people, be conversant, you know, contribute, show your stuff, right? You, you, if you're smart enough, get out there and show it, you know, just let people know. I love that you mentioned, uh, you know, these kinds of conferences or you know, association meetups and things like that, because these kind of professional trade associations, you know, conferences have been really impactful for my career thus far. And uh, your, you know, advice there kind of really was actually also given by the last person I interviewed, where he said, if you want to work at a particular company, you know, reach out to the recruiters, let them know you're interested and that you're in school and you're trying to prepare and, you know, 
send out feelers and let people know that you're trying to work towards that goal right? of, of yeah. getting advice from people in the field. You know, that's reaching out and asking is how you get to know people. You can't, you can't yeah. get a yes if you don't ask, you know. Yeah, and you never know who's going to show up, right? You never know. Like uh, we have, um, there's a technology called OpenStreetMap. It's basically crowdsourcing open maps, right? Like go yeah. in and edit. We have meetups here, and I don't go to everyone, but every now and then I pop in, and it is the one of the best places to meet new talent. Like and and companies like Microsoft, who've had to reinvent themselves, looking for young talent, looking for reinvigoration of technology, looking for those new binds that are creative. Like Microsoft done things where they have a whole program where they actually hire people from different backgrounds. Like it's not just all computer science people, right? Yeah. Uh, because our end user are not all computer science people, right? So we actually have hired people into Microsoft who have backgrounds in way different, uh, you know, uh, 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 areas of focus than just computer science, right? And that's the same for diversity. It's the same for gender equality. Like you're building products for the people. And if you don't have a representation across the different types of people, you're limiting yourself. And so, you know, getting out to those events, you never know who's gonna walk in. You never know who you're gonna get a chance to meet and you never know how you could be impacted by that, that meeting because even if it doesn't rep, uh, reflect something right away, it could in six months or a year because remember when? Yes. Um, and so that's, uh, it, it's great advice. I think that's really interesting too that you also mentioned, like, I mean, obviously that, you know, diversity is important in the workplace of representing, you know, the whole of society and making sure that, you know, if you're making products for everybody, you need input from everybody. But that's right. what other, that uh, initiatives, programs, or services has Microsoft developed in response to COVID-19 that you have found, you know, super inspiring? Could be, you know, on the product or service front, or it could be on, you know, CSR initiatives, or we could even say not just COVID-19, but what's going on in the world right now. What has Microsoft done that's been really inspiring and made you proud to work there? Yeah. Um, so I'll stick on the technological side because, I can't even do justice to what our public relations team does, the, the work that they do in communicating. Uh, it's unbelievable. Um, from the Black Lives Matter uh, movement uh, through the COVID, like all of these things, uh, Microsoft has done things to be impactful. Um, and it, 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 does, it, it does hit me hard. I, I grew up in a diverse neighborhood in, in Imperial Beach um down san diego and um you know a bunch of navy kids down there um but it, it, it's super impactful to see the messaging and to see us get behind these initiatives that are so critical to the world and how we play how we play a role um and i i you know i'm going to touch on one thing and then i'll talk on the tech uh but the the other thing that really inspired me as the father of two daughters was our super bowl ad last year where we focused on the first female 49ers coach that went to the Super Bowl. Um, and it highlighted, spotlighted the power of women in the world. Um, and I sent that to my daughters. I played that, I watched it with them and I replayed it and replayed it. And 
that was my company finally standing up for women and for you know the 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 empowerment of women and taking a stand and for for you know my two daughters to see that and see that like they don't know what the world was before all of this but to know that the world will embrace them and embrace the empowerment of them as women as they get older to me personally that was super impactful so that's that's some that's some of the things that uh, we've done uh, from a PR perspective that I think are super valuable, super impactful. On the on the tech side, I have been so impressed with what we've done on the COVID tracking mechanisms. Uh, there is a whole uh, so Bing being our search engine, um, you know, it's it's a huge investment for Microsoft. Uh, and, you know, it is uh, a second to Google. Uh, but the work that they've done in COVID uh, was really impressive uh, because they used the search engine index to then gather articles that were geospatially relevant. So you can go to a map experience and one pulling in data from Johns Hopkins to see the spread, uh, see where, you know, the, the, the mortality rate over time as well. So we added a time slider. In fact, my team got involved. Uh, we worked in collaboration with the Bing Maps team and uh, we helped optimize that mapping experience uh, to be more fluid, more uh, performant. And being able to overlay that, plus have those articles and you know, being able to search through the, the actual search engine index and pull that into this unique experience. Uh, I think it's bing.com slash COVID. Um, uh, if not, if you just search for COVID, you'll find it. But that experience was sort of the first to get out there and be really immersive and rich and have a time slider and being able to see things over time so you could watch the movement of this thing. It was fascinating to watch. And my team, even my team, developed open source code uh, for Azure Maps. So Azure Maps is an enterprise platform. And we developed an Azure Maps interface with the COVID time slider inserted, which feeds from Johns Hopkins, that we could give I mean, we just handed it out for free. It was a free open source code so that the hospitals around the world, and this got picked up all over the world. All they had to do was grab it, put a key in there, and boom, they had a dashboard. And then they could start putting in their own private personal data that was relative to their area, to their region, to their, uh, to their hospital, um, or, or whatever the, the facility was. Um, and the ability, we did that in a couple of days. Uh, I mean, we went, through this fast. Um, and so it, I'm always impressed uh, with the, you know, Microsoft is a huge company, but there's so many smart people. I remember I, I was the smartest guy at this company. I was the smartest guy at the next company. I'm average at Microsoft. Uh, you know, uh, I mean, you could argue whether that that's true, but um, it is, it, there are so many brilliant people here. And when you get the right people together in the room, it's amazing what happens. Um, the, the, you know, uh, we have, uh, I have counterparts that just say, it's just code. Like, what do you want to do? It's just code. And they can crank things out that I'm like, wow, that was just an idea last week. Cool. Uh, so I'm always amazed by that as well. Yeah, that's, that's amazing that when you have a, you know, a culture and a shared vision and a bunch of smart people ready to get things done, the kind of things that, that you can do. All right, and I think this actually leads us to our uh, our last question here. So currently, you are a manager of program managers. You're you know experienced at building teams to 
you know, tackle a lot of complex business problems. And we, you know, talked a little bit about this already, but besides the technical skills, what are some of the, you know, the highlight skills that you're looking for in people when you're building a team? Um, yeah, and, and it varies based on the role. Um, so I have been a manager for the majority of my, my career. In fact, um, I was made a manager at 24. Um, I got out of SDSU. I joined uh, a small startup in San Diego. Um, there was, I was like the eighth employee. And after about a year and a half, he made me a manager of people. Um, and so, uh, you know, it's, it's taken a long time to learn some of the lessons. Um, but, you know, so, so first of all, it is, it is not all glamour. Let's be very clear. Managing a team is, is actually really hard because um, you, you manage not just their workload and their deliverables. I mean, you're tied to their income and their livelihood. Uh, and by, by, with that, you end up being also tied to their um, personal lives. Um, and with the amount of work that we do with people, um, it, it, it's, it become, you, you open up friendships and it becomes you know, uh, one of these aspects where uh, you're pretty tight with the people. And so uh, you know, at Microsoft, we do have a prescription of the things that we look for, right? Uh, so for my particular team, being Azure Maps and my particular discipline being program management. I'm looking for organizational skills. I'm looking for some technical aptitude. You don't have to be, we don't write a lot of code, but you need to be able to read it and you need to be able to, you know, write queries and, and read responses. Um, you need to be able to talk to people, talk to customers. We do a ton of collaboration. We do a ton of coordination. We do cross product development um, and you need to be able to do analysis, right? Can you look at a market, uh, a market a report and tell me how much money we could potentially make by building this feature? Um, not even just the whole service, a feature. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's an analysis. And so um, you take all those things and then you apply um, diversity, right? Am I looking at a diverse enough pool of candidates uh, because I don't want to limit myself and I want to look at my current team as well. And like, does my current team have the right set of people and does, um, my product have the right set of people. And for this particular role, am I growing this particular area of responsibility? Um, and then you take the cultural fit. And so, uh, the cultural fit of, uh, developing a product with a team is arguably the most important at this point, right? Like the tech stuff, I could teach anybody maps. Given enough time, I could teach the tech stuff. I can't teach the personality stuff. And it's hard to actually grow people to that level of maturity. I have some of my most advanced PMs who are some of killer rock stars who have issues with their personality and it rubs people the wrong way. And it's something that I have to coach and, and, and rewire them uh, in, you know, here we are in 2020 because the way you did things didn't used to matter, right? It was what you did. And now what you did is just as important as how you do it. Because if you leave this wake of dead bodies as a result of getting something done, 
that's terrible. That's actually more uh, damaging than not shipping whatever it was to begin with. So, you know, that's, that's sort of the, the collection of things that I'm looking for in candidates. And I, I actually do it through um, a series of questions where I just want to understand how they think, right? Like an interview with me is not going to be whiteboarding code. An interview with me is going to be a discussion. Uh, take your favorite product. Um, you know, how would you make it better? Uh, and drill down. We have this drill down method. Yeah. You drill down until you can't answer a question. And that's how, now, that's how I know how deep you can go in your thinking. And it's not right or wrong. It's just, can you go deep enough to get to a clear and logical decision point so that you can move things forward? Um, and that's, that's sort of how it works. Uh, so it's a, it's a multitude of, of soft skills, right? There's some hard skills. Yes, you, you got to have some technical chops um, and certainly know how to work a computer. Uh, and, and of course, cloud computing is, you know, imperative where we are today. Um, but for PM, really, there's a ton of soft skills that are more important um, because if you have those soft skills, I, like I said, I could teach anybody technology, right? It's, it's just, you know, if you've got a basis of technical chops, you, you can learn this stuff. It's just the soft stuff that is so critical to us at Microsoft now because that's what we want the company to be represented as. That's what we want people to see us as. We're not this harsh cutthroat company that's all about Windows and, you know, Windows generation and like shoving it down your throat. It is like we're trying to do good. We're actually trying to tackle the right issues. Um, you know, empathic emails from Satya um, about what's happening in society and how we're applying technology. Uh, and that has been, uh, we've gotten more mails this year than ever before because of the, the changes in the world. And so... I ran a little long there, but hopefully that helps yeah, uh, structure I, I some, some semblance of what I look for. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, I think it's really inspiring to hear that companies are doing more, you know, kind of empathetic, focused leadership and that, you know, this kind of more holistic view of management is becoming, you know, more important and not, you know, the Jack Welch days of business where if you're not hitting this number on the bell curve, you're out regardless of how that affects your income and the, the security of your family and so on. Yeah. I still quote David Mamet's play for what it's worth though. Uh, you know, coffee is for closers and ABC always be closing, you know, um, yeah. there's just uh, some, some brilliance uh, built into that movie and that, that play. It's, it's actually a play. Yeah. Thank you for listening to this episode of Fowler Success Safe at Home. Follow us for more stories from alumni about navigating the workplace in the new normal.